LL Nation, what's good? I know you guys are on football overload. The NFL gave you a lot this weekend on top of some major news coming out of South Bend. One coach leaves, another one comes in, and we still haven't decided who the defensive, defensive coordinator is at Notre Dame. Welcome to the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I am Sean Davis at SD2 Mike's. That dude right there, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire. As always, we're brought to you and featuring Anora Whiskey. That's right, AnoraWhiskey.com. Go there. It's the premium American whiskey, only AnoraWhiskey.com. We'll get into the new D-line coach. We'll talk a little bit about the NFL playoffs because I told my co-host Dak wasn't going to get it done last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He didn't play very well. And we discussed uh, Lance Taylor. Congratulations to him for becoming the new offensive coordinator at Louisville. We have, we have a of a, being at Notre Dame, man, the benefits at Notre Dame, you're going to get them good opportunities, man. Yeah, both of us talked to 2023 recruits this weekend, so we have updates on three in particular. Bro, I know you talked to Dante Moore, and I had an opportunity. Well, we both talked to uh, – one individual and uh, yeah, also man. had I also had an opportunity to talk to Drake Bowen and get an update on his transition from football to baseball and what he's looking to get into and the goals he has for his senior season and Andrean. But before that, we have a special announcement and we'd like to show that to LL Nation now. So check it out. Talking to Carnell Tate, IMG Academy. Notre Dame's been on me from the, the like start of my freshman year. I've been talking to him. So our connection like great. So I, I feel like I can do it all. I'm just from the Midwest, so talk about this shot down streets. Oh, yeah. It feels different. I try to tell them all the time, you feel different when you come from the south side. Oh yeah, it's different. That's right. Exclusive one-on-one, well, not one-on-one, exclusive interview with Carnell Tate right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast 2023. Five-star wide receiver recruit. Has some very, very interesting things to say about Marcus Freeman and who came to visit him on Friday. He gave That's an right. update on that and went into what made him special. He talked a little bit of that ish. I'm all good with that. That's right. That's too. From the south side of Chicago. Very confident young man. So that special interview will be live right here on our YouTube page Tuesday night, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern, only right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. So tap in. We spin it different. We spin it different. We spin it different. Tap in. Glad everybody out there. I see you guys tapping in today. I see I think I saw somebody saying they were tapping in from Alpharetta mm. this morning. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Appreciate you. You see, I did up early in the morning for the LL Nation. Absolutely. Happy MLK Day to everyone. Another great day in the in in the remembrance and the reverence of Dr. Martin Luther King. You know what, man? It's so it's so ironic. I don't know about you, 
But of course, everybody knows the famous I have a dream speech. And it's always only a certain segment of that speech that's discussed, or you know, you have to memorize for like a a, <laughs> a day yeah, you gotta, yeah, you gotta in your grammar school. And um just the totality of him as a person, the humanity. This is one of the dopest things for me when I look at people. Like, you know, you like to focus on the great things. I like to focus on the humanity of people, right? I want to know what people have to deal with, what they have to overcome, because that's what makes them great. Like, everybody has flaws. Everybody has flaws. So when you nitpick at anyone that's done anything great, you're going to find, you put them on the microscope, you're going to find something. But that's the obstacles that they had to overcome. And when you can overcome those obstacles or those hindrances and still make the impact that Martin Luther King Jr. made, that makes me appreciate or respect you even more. And that's why I love LL Nation. We all have different opinions, but there's the difference of opinions and the way we convey that to one another in peace and in love that makes it worth coming back to each and every morning that's why we get up and we do this because we love notre dame football and we love ll nation so happy mlk day to everyone out there yeah absolutely just another opportunity to just take everything with a grain of salt you know you look i think the qualities that you know you get from the stories you hear about people about courage um about bravery i think some of that you may not like the maybe a lot of diciness in the total history of a person, but I think, you know, just like how people can take something from a person and not use it to just uh, sum up the entire person. So I think the biggest thing I took from just the courage to do things when everybody else is against you and you're doing it with the right intentions and righteousness, I think that's just a something that you got to, at every point in your life, come to a point where you got to cross over that and make a decision. So, you know, it's just good to see people that overcome those steps, like you said, and this is one of those days to remember that. So let's get into it, man. We gave congratulations to Lance Taylor already on his new position. So Notre Dame was also looking for a running backs coach. And we'll get into, we talked about this Friday, right? Marcus Freeman anticipated all of these moves possibly happen. Like he knew that Mike, that Mike Elston more than likely wouldn't be happy and totally bought in unless he became the defensive coordinator. He gave him the audition, didn't go well. He went to his alma mater. That's wonderful, right? And I understand why LL Nation was like up in arms because they felt like they lost the best recruiter on the staff. And that's the change in the culture. Like, no longer will the best recruit on the staff be anyone besides the head coach. Right. It's a new day in town. So, we talk about Mike Elson losing him, but as far as a coach, there were better options out there or equal options out there. And Notre Dame was a Perry Combs and Al Washington uh, when the new deep sea over at Ohio State and those came in. Ryan Day moves them out. And as the story goes, from multiple sources, uh, Al Washington was pursued by Georgia. He was pursued by Florida. Uh, and ultimately, it came down to Notre Dame and Georgia, and it was the relationship 
between Marcus Freeman and Al Washington that ultimately led him to give uh, Notre Dame a call and say, I'm accepting the job as D-line coach. Uh, great connections in the Midwest, has recruited and had been in contact with the likes of Keon Keeley, Brendan Vernon, when they've been in the building at Ohio State. So that bodes well to keep those young, those young guys in the class of 2023 with the departure of Mike Elston and gives them confidence because it's someone that they know. He's coached the linebackers at Ohio State for the previous three years, but amongst coaches in the coaching circuit, he's a better D-line coach than he is a linebacker coach. So he's really coming into you know, his comfort zone in Notre Dame. And last but not least, in my research and reading articles and listening to some, some of his comments, he was asked about his recruiting philosophy. And he said, my recruiting philosophy is to treat these young men like they're my own. And beyond that, I have players that I didn't get to come to the program where I was at that I still have a relationship with today because of the impact I made by building a relationship. So that's what I'm all about. I'm about building a relationship. And that right there tells me everything you need to know or everything I would like to know about Al Washington from a recruiting standpoint. He said it's not about the logo on the chest. It's about the relationship with these young men and making a positive impact on their lives. That bodes well and goes right in line with what Marcus Freeman has been talking about. Build a relationship. Let's go out and build relationships with these top guys and let them know why they fit at Notre Dame. And that's a part of changing the culture. When you talk about building relationships, you build that trust that carries with you. And, it, and the logo doesn't matter. In this case, Marcus Freeman has kind of introduced his, his methodology into the program and is bringing some great results. If you can snag a coach that has a lot of interest from the schools that we're trying to overcome, that's a, a great first step because that's going to turn into the players, you know, because he's recruiting those guys. The guys are already looking at the program in different fashions and perspectives. We heard a little bit from Carnell Tate that'll drop tomorrow about just everybody sees the different energy. And when you're getting guys like Al Washington, even with the uh, vacancies of uh, Lance Taylor and Elston, that at a lot of other programs would affect that program heavily, especially on the coaching staff wise to just be able to replace that. But having the confidence that Marcus Freeman has had, bringing in guys he knows that he has close relationships with, I have a confidence that he'll also be able to replace guys that are taking other opportunities, which is uh, great that he's doing this with a lot of time left. You know, this isn't like these guys are leaving two weeks before the game or something. So this is uh, it's still impressive to see him maneuver and adapt as a young head coach in a, in a very um, very delicate situation. I mean, you, you're messing with a, a program that's been around a long time and you're a young guy that's transitioning from an older guy. So uh, I like what we're seeing. I like what we're seeing. So moving forward, man, how important these dominoes that are falling across all of college football, right? And the fact that Marcus Freeman was able to convince Al Washington not to even take an official interview with Georgia. It was almost like Marcus knew, like, look, I cannot allow Kirby Smart to get his hooks into this dude. Talk about the relationship between the two, 
He worked, he worked under Marcus Freeman in Cincinnati previously as well. So the importance of relationships, and we talked about this, building a staff that you can trust, that you can rock with, and even though we might feel bad about losing certain coaches, in the long run, this could be one of the most beneficial times in the Marcus Freeman era, what's happened here, how the coaching staff was formed. 100% because at the end of the day, the only way we're going to take that next step is that is everybody on the same accord and on the same page. You look at a program like Alabama, everybody's on the same page. Whether you're coming in brand new or you've been there for a long time, is Nick Saban top down. Everybody knows what's going on. Marcus Freeman having these relationships is so important because these – it, it's an attraction that he pulls from other schools. It's different than what we used before where we were using resume. And Coach Kelly's like, hey, I'm Coach Kelly. I would love to give you this opportunity where Marcus is calling like, hey, we hit the jackpot. Right, right. <laughs> bring, the, bring the family coming. We're going we gonna to do it the right way. And everybody is, is, uh, is confident that Marcus can do the job. I think nobody would – be on board like this if they didn't believe he could do it. And I think his plan is good enough for everybody to follow. And I'm excited to see how it's impacting the program, but the recruiting that has been beneficial so far, I mean, we're missing coaches right now, still getting commits <laughs> and strong commits. Right. Right. So that's, it just shows that the kids is like, look, I don't care who's coming and going. I know that Marcus Freeman is going to be there and I want to be under that guy. So, for, for Marcus Freeman to got, get guys that he used to have under him that have grown up and have respected their relationship and they probably took a lot from them, they want to come back, you just know that the players are going to see that too and go like, oh, man, like even he came back and he's big-time D-line coach now. So it's very impressive. Yeah, I had a piece drop on Irish Breakdown uh, from the conversation I had with Carnell Tate. And, and, of course, the conversation we had with Cardinal Tate. And he talked about the energy and things are being different. He said, man, I'm not trying to step on BK at all. But it's obvious to recruits that things are different, you know, under Marcus Freeman. And, and then, you know Marcus Freeman probably got them good smells up in there, you know. He burned a couple of uh, frankincense and myrrh, you know. You know, he, he got to smell like the barbershop up in there, man. Right, right. And then, you know, I spoke with Drake Bowen, and Drake Bowen was, you know, echoed that and said, look, everything flows from the top down. The energy, the vibe, the energy we have amongst the recruits that have committed in 2023, that comes from Marcus Freeman. That's right. right. That confidence going out and trying to remain the number one recruiting class in all of the nation and all of college football, that comes from the top down. So everything is permeating for Marcus Freeman and his vision and what he feels like Notre Dame can ultimately be. And uh, you can't help but to feel excited. Yeah, you can't help but be excited, and it's not even spring practice yet, but you're excited about the moves made because you know the results are going to be there. I think the guys that he's bringing on board outside of Larry Nitus are all established guys that are respected amongst other places in college football. Yeah. And respected so much to the point where we got – we got other top schools wanting our same guys. So if the kids is all speaking on one accord, excited to be on campus, excited to be around the program, 
getting five stars in the future, I don't think will be a hard thing for us. No, I think you'll see that five or six five stars in the next two years that we were talking about at the right positions that can, you know, change the tide for us. So in terms of the encouragement, I mean, it's there. So you can check that off the box. I think that's something that we haven't felt in a while, even with a good team. Yeah. So it will be interesting to see uh, how it turns out when we get rolling for real. Now, I also want to mention, I hope this infects the offensive side of football as well, because there's a lot of success with Marcus Freeman recruiting and putting the staff together. But offensively, you know, I like where we're heading, but, you know, we want some of that same energy to be on that side of football as well. Lucky Lucky Podcast of Sean Davis. Next to my man, the original Lucky Lucky himself, Malik Zaire. We do have a super chat. Bobby B, we thank you so much for the super chat for tapping in this morning. This is for you, Malik. Morning, peeps, LL Nation. Hey, Malik, the Bengals got lucky. The refs blew the call. Tyler Boyd, touchdown, should have been blown dead. All anyways, go Irish. See, I like that comment because most of the time the Bengals wouldn't even be in the conversation. Now they talking about that guy lucky. You know what I'm saying? Now, now the Bengals getting lucky. Before, we getting by luck. Now we getting lucky. So whatever. We on the next week. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so you guys, if you haven't checked it out, go ahead and check out my article on the conversation with Carnell Tate. It's over at Irish Breakdown. It's my first piece I dropped as recruiting analyst over there. So go check it out. You can go to my Twitter feed, SD2Mikes. The link is there. Check it out. It's a pretty good piece, if I don't say so myself. I see a That's lot right. of questions That's about right. Sonny Styles. Uh, yeah, Sonny Styles is at Ohio State. He's not coming with Al Washington. Uh, but what we do bring is the guy that was able to get Sonny Styles to commit to Ohio State over Notre Dame. So. That's the connection, and that's the guy. That's the recruiter that's now on the Notre Dame staff. So feel good about that with the 2023 and 2024 class to possibly get a guy like Samuel and Pemba and some of the big-time defensive tackles and DNs that were already receiving offers from Notre Dame when Mike Elston was here. Yeah, I think he's going to give an edge that Elston couldn't bring in that recruiting part of it to where I feel better about those type of players being uh, more willing to at least be interested. Not that Mike Elson couldn't do it, but, you know, it's all about improving just a little bit more. And I think, you know, Al Washington adds that. But in general, <laughs> you know, I just think it's a fun salve. You know, you, you think of these guys, you thinking they're coming in, they fresh. Yeah. But, you know, they might have a design or something, though, you know. Right, right, right. It might be a little culture appropriate with the, <laughs> with the professionalism of the ND swag, you know, but I think it's all the little things that matter. Right. And so we'll see how it translates. Another super chat. Rob Lobo, one, two, three. We appreciate you. Thanks for tapping in this morning in the garage pod about the Fiesta Bowl. They seem more pissed with the fans' reaction to the loss than their own performance. They need to hit the gym. Rob, you echo our sentiments, man. That's why immediately we were telling guys, look, man, get off get off social media. What are y'all yeah, doing? Yeah, you worry about the wrong thing. Yeah, stop all this uh, apologizing and hit the gym. Like, you know, we don't need all of that. 
fan base. Yeah, because it's embarrassing that we lost. Let's just focus on that. We didn't think that we were supposed to lose. I'm sure y'all didn't think y'all were supposed to lose, and y'all lost, and y'all want excuses for it. You know, and, you know, we're like Philadelphia fans. We ain't going to let you just get off that easy. But we just want y'all to be as best that we know we can be. Yeah, they want pats on the back. They want somebody to rub their back to make them feel better. You shouldn't feel good. No, no. We already been at 11 wins. We already done seen that. Yeah. You know, y'all may just get here, but we've been on them 11 win, 10 win seasons. So, yeah. I'm, I'm all for it, man. Take that anger. Take that bad feeling. Let it fuel you in the offseason. Let it fuel you in the gym, weight room, meetings, all of that. All of that. And for a guy like Logan Diggs, look, once again, it's a new day at Notre Dame. It's a new day. Positive vibes. That's all we want. Positive vibes. And if his vibe is not positive with the program, so be it. Yeah. You know, if he's iffy, we don't want the iffy. Mike Elson was going to be iffy. Yeah, I mean. Feel a certain type of way. If Logan Diggs is feeling a certain type of way, go ahead, make your departure. Like, yo, we appreciate you. We see the promise in you. We know you're going to be great. Yeah. Hopefully it's at Notre Dame. If not, Notre Dame hasn't been a problem at Notre Dame. Yeah, we. that's the last thing we worried about is getting another running back that can produce. So, Uh, Let's see. So Lance Taylor came from Stanford. Man, I thought he was going to end up getting the NFL job eventually. That's how good, that's how well-respected he is. He's done a great job in Notre Dame. But pretty much, once again, and, and this is not to speak any less of the job he did while he was here, but I can go back to the last three or four running back coaches at Notre Dame, they all have done a pretty good job because the production from the running backs at Notre Dame has been pretty consistent. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we've been printing them out like a copy machine. And even through the different coaches, from Alfred to Lance Taylor, I think it's important to see that, one, the recruiting and the consistent of recruiting on the backs have been really good. I mean, our backs have been pretty much similar, I think. And, and a CJ was kind of like a Theo and a Sierra, and a Tarian was in that mix, and a Josh. So I think we've had a great experience recruiting running backs. So it's a lot of credit to them. And then credit for those coaches keeping that retention and keeping yeah. them progressing. I mean, I, mean uh, I haven't seen us really fall off in that category in quite some time. So it's been a staple of our program for sure. But we've also seen those same coaches in that room get elevated to great opportunities outside of the Notre Dame. So it's hard to to think that uh, you would even have a long-term coach at that position. I mean, Archie Denson got a head coaching job. Lance Taylor got an OC job. So Alfred got the head assistant, was it assistant recruiting or something like that? But it's just a hot position if you're if you're a coach to be a Notre Dame running back coach now, and you can't really blame it. So it's it's in and out, a lot of transition. But if you can get in there, you're gonna be taken care of. Lucky Lefty Podcast talking about coaching changes. Lance Taylor, 
moves on to Louisville as an offensive coordinator. And we were talking about the running backs. <laughs> no, let me get this super chat before I get into that. Uh, Christopher Morgan, thank you for the super chat. Good morning, LL Nation. I'm jacked up about how MF is getting his young coaching squad together. He, he has either known, played, coached with, or just been friends with. It's like he is saying Avengers Assemble could go in the next season. And you know what? That means you're going to hear one voice. You talk about this all the time for the 2015 and 16 team that you were a part of. But there were too many voices. And nothing was single-minded. And being single-minded in life is very important if you want to be successful. And if you want to have a successful program, there should be one voice, one common thread. And it seems like we're getting that under Marcus Freeman. Yeah, but the right kind of one voice. I mean, it was a yeah. one voice for 12 years. And, I mean, it was good for what it was worth. But this kind of one voice is a, is a more of a collective one voice. You know, I mean, Marcus Freeman has been very balanced in his approach to being a head coach from taking on certain things head on and then allowing other guys to play their role into that as well to help the situation. So, I think once everybody, especially we started talking to the recruits and they started to mention how Marcus Freeman was the top-down approach, he's, it's coming from him. He's been turning the energy and tide around. It just shows that, you know, he's putting it He's putting it all on him. You know, like LeBron carrying the team on his back. Right. He, he's averaging a triple-double right now, looking to try to win some championships. And now it's just a matter of can everybody support um, the energy we ride right now to go into that first game uh, looking like the team we want to be. And I see someone in the chat, Sabrina, you talked about the production you've gotten from the running back position at Notre Dame. Archie Denson is a terrible recruiter. Hey, you got Josh Adams and Tony Jones Jr. I don't care what the Tony's playing. They do. Did they produce? Did they produce when they were here in Notre Dame? Trucking 33, y'all remember that? That's, look, that's fine. Because Josh Adams wasn't a four-star, wasn't a five-star. But the dude scores a touchdown on his first touch at Notre Dame. Giving off by yours truly. Yeah, it's like, look, I don't care. All I need to see is production, period. That's what I need to see. And running back in college is just like running back in the pros, man. It's a devalued position. It really has become a devalued position. If you can really get go out there and get players, if you can coach them up, you can get production at the running back situation, especially if your offensive line is solid and you're playing off a quarterback. Now, I would say the production at Notre Dame is even more impressive because Notre Dame is always facing teams that don't respect the passing game, don't really respect the quarterback, and constantly put eight in the box against these running backs. So you look at a see Josh Adams was the dude that season. Because you had Brandon who was struggling, and then you had um, Ian Book coming in eventually. And the Yo, I mean, put up, Josh Adams carried a huge load in that transition. Absolutely. But, uh, I mean, shoot, the running backs in general – in combination with the offensive line at the time, I mean, that's talk about bread and butter. I think the production 
that's kept us in most of our games yeah. has been because of that combination. Ashley Hill, thanks for tapping in. He said, write it down, take a picture. I don't give up. Marcus Freeman about to go on an Eddie Robinson run at Notre Dame. Man, if he's here for 20, 30 years, that that would definitely be impressive. I almost like the short and sweet. If he got a good five years, two, three championships, psh, go ahead yeah. and send that man to the league. <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That's true. Um, and, you know, it's all about, you know, I've seen five stars come. Man, look, what's the uh, the local kid? He was a five star. He committed to Notre Dame. Uh, Marquis Step. Yeah. Uh, everybody's talking about level up. Okay, Marquis Step was supposed to be the level up, right? Yeah. Big time Indiana high school player, five star, commits to Notre Dame. Then he goes to USC. Issues, injuries. Off the field issue. Then he goes somewhere it's like, look, man, just because you're a five star is like level up to what? What are we leveling up to based upon stars? There are people that aren't five stars that become Heisman candidates at the position of running back all the time. All the time. Yeah, running back. Yeah, you can get a two star running back and he can be impressive. So now if you want to talk about getting once in a lifetime running backs like Reggie Bush. I mean, well, when was the last time another Reggie Bush hit college football? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's dude. Pete Carroll had to be was at USC, and they just had one of these lifetime dudes be down the road, be down the ten, and yeah, down the nigga. street, yeah, down the street, and they grabbed him. You know, can we get one of those in the state of Indiana that's right down the road? It'll probably be a defensive player like Jalen Smith. Uh, Tom Belork mentions his, yeah, James Aldridge was supposed to be all world. Mm. He was supposed to be the level up. You know? Matter of fact, Logan Diggs was low key, was low, low key from a running Logan back. Key. You know, late decision to come to Notre Dame. Aldridge estimated. He commits from Michigan State, comes in late to Notre Dame. Now, Dorian Price is a level up. Thank yeah, we're going to see. We're going to see. I'm excited to see his. I saw his tape, like what I saw. Yeah, yeah, Jadarian Price. He's, a, in my opinion, from watching the tape, he's a level yeah. up. But once again, we'll see what happens. You see how they use him. Look, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame uniform is that pixie dust for running backs. They put that uniform on, they produce. Yeah, that's true. You know, this year, the offensive line struggles were just so bad. You, Like I said, you know, Kyron and what he was able to do this year is even more impressive considering what he had to deal with, with eight in the box from teams, you know, because they wanted to force Jack Cone to beat them. They went bump and run a lot. So now within 10 yards, you have the safeties, you have the DBs. Like, that's a lot to work with and work against as a running back, and he was still able to be success, successful at running back. Yeah, and be able to block and catch. I think all our running backs that we've had been able to do the trifecta in some way. I mean, Tony Jones was great at all three, and that's why he's playing today. But, yeah, I think the running back room has been probably the, the most developed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you had to look at a program developing positions, 
we develop our running backs the most. I mean, we've taken CJ, who came in as a safety and developed him to a third-round running back. We developed Jerome Bettis. We developed Josh Adams and Dexter Williams, who are, you know, came in at the same time and got them both to the league. So it's just uh, them in the whole line. I mean, that's we can be a running back you in a sense. I don't think we get a lot of credit for it, but we definitely have a, the, the resume. Thank you for the super chat, Christopher Morgan. With Jerome Bettis on campus, he will help with that. Look, it won't hurt. It's always great to have one of your great former greats, one of your former greats here, and a great in the NFL on campus. He's trying to finish up his education and get that degree. And I'm sure Marcus Freeman is tapping into that. I'm sure he is in some yeah. way, form, or fashion. I'm sure he has his hand on a lot of things that are going on around campus, and he definitely is aware of it, to say the least. Uh, what do you think Oklahoma State thinks of Diggs? I, honestly, I don't think they think anything of him. Mm-hmm. I know what they thought of that offensive line based upon their adjustments and how they played. When you pretty much just go <laughs> to drop back and – Deep drops with your linebackers and bump a run on the outside. You're pretty much daring a team to run the ball. Pretty much. Daring them to run the ball. And when that team doesn't take the challenge to say, okay, you're giving us the run, we're going to go ahead and take these three, four yards and go play action every now and then. That's what we should have seen in our – we talked about it. Tyler Buckner should have been inserted in that game at some point. Yeah, I mean, that's Tyler Buckner would have helped Diggs a lot just to loosen up the box, give him something more to worry about. They knew with Jack Cohn, if he was putting it in the guy's gut, he was probably going to run it. And they weren't threatened by it, you know, at all. And I think that put a lot of pressure on Diggs to perform when the expectation is, all right, you're like Kyron Williams with a different number, you know, when you get the ball like that. So. Tyler being young as well and growing with Diggs, yeah. I think it would have helped the confidence that they have going into the spring together because obviously at this point we're expecting them two to be the ones running out there. So another missed opportunity in my opinion because not only was he uh, didn't get a chance to really work a groove with running the football, I didn't think he did a great job picking up the blitz either. So um I think going into this this spring and then this new season, the offense is going to look totally different from what it looked like in the Fiesta Bowl. So hopefully Diggs gets a better groove with Tyler, but those two got to have a, a special connection because that's going to help, you know, that offensive line with Harry Easton and open up the receivers. Hopefully we can develop that pass game from it. Yeah, uh, Joseph Dobrzynski. Appreciate you as always. Diggs just loves this attention that everyone is giving him. Same guy who apologized after the bowl game. Running back room is just as great with them as they are without him. I mean, that's just the next man up mentality. The one thing I'll push back on is he wasn't the only Notre Dame player copping pleas. Great Lindsey was copping pleas. It was a lot of Notre Dame players copping pleas and apologizing after the bowl game. So I don't I won't single him out for that. Yeah, no, I mean, a lot of them were crying on the internet, 
you know, and it's just we get it, but we don't care. <laughs> we lost. But I do think that um it's just young guy stuff. I'm I'm more surprised by Brady Lindsay knowing that he's been there, but yeah, I don't think that type of culture will exist with Marcus Freeman after a full nine months of getting prepared. I don't think the team will carry themselves that way. I think they'll just be like, you know, we got this. We ain't worried about apologizing because we're looking to overcome and, and win. So it's just more of what we're used to that's leaving out the door of the BK excuses and apologizing and saying not and being lazy and recruiting to, you know, we kicked up competitive energy change, you know, kids are buying in. And so I think even in losses moving forward, I don't think we'll respond the same way. Lucky Lucky Podcast. Um, Pete Sampson from The Athletic, you know, they released some information on the update of the D.C. job. Some of the same names. You hear Doug Belt from Houston, uh, Al Golden, who's with the Bengals in the playoffs right now, linebackers coach Derek Mason, Auburn, D.C. Uh, but some new names have risen up. And the casting a wider net, Minnesota, Minnesota DC, Joe Rossi, uh, Phil Parker, the Iowa DC, and I actually talked about uh, Iowa's defensive line coach being a possible candidate last week for the D line coach position at Notre Dame, and then also Boston College's DC, Tim Lukabu, Lukabu. So uh, casting a wider net, taking this time trying to find the right fit i'm all for it and um with a lot of names it's just interesting to see who who fits the best i think marcus freeman is ahead of schedule so he can take his time a little bit more with this decision i think it's big considering yeah. it's under what he's you know famously known for in college football so it'll be cool to see how he makes this decision but i do think there has to be some attention on the offensive side just to match the energy I feel like is being cultivated on the defense. So not that it's split, but, you know, these moves that are making feel, feel free-flowing and easy. And offensively, it just feels like we're trying to throw stuff at the wall to see if it sticks. Yeah. And, and Notre Dame, look, Marcus Freeman, I'm very impressed because he's very forward-thinking. And it seems that he likes to play chess. You know, take care of the moment in the present, but still prepare for the future. And we saw that with his anticipation of these coaching moves and coaching changes and being prepared for that and already working on things behind the scenes through uh, back channels and through his previous relationships. And I think that's going to bode well. And, you know, they went out there going after uh, the Paul kid, the 2022 running back, in anticipation that, you know, they might lose somebody. If it yeah. happens, if not, you pick up some more talent on the offensive side of the ball. Michael Graves, there's nothing like having a coach believe in you in relation to recruiting that's worth an extra star right there. MF seems to be that type of coach and person. See, the narrative is great and it can exist as long as you're winning. You know, it's going to have to be backed up by winning football because it can get out of hand you know, and become too player friendly, even though Marcus Freeman isn't carrying himself like that too much necessarily. When you don't win as much as what the energy you're bringing around winning is and being competitive, 
it can throw it off in a sense where guys just kind of lose the messaging and become in the way distractions of or undisciplined in the way they, they play and they can cause us in the games later. Yeah, I got another super chat. Adario Jones, we appreciate you. Just giving y'all love for the job you're doing. This show has helped me today. I've been dealing with the blow my Cowboys gave me last night. Well, Adario, if you had listened to the podcast last week, I kind of forewarned you and tried to cushion that blow. I they just make everything look so hard. Like, why was that? They just made the game, like, the defense, it made it look like they couldn't keep up with the play calling. I told yeah. you, San Francisco 49ers came in there with them plays dialed and had them just all over the place. And every time that happens, the, the, the secondary, the Cowboys just looks to get exposed at the worst times, you know. Another super chat from my guy, Matt, 2011 GT. That's just leftover BK stink. I mean, you know. Stink like BK, some leftover Burger King or something. You know, it's just, yo, it is what it is. I wouldn't even call it stink. I wouldn't refer to Mike Elson as stink. You know, it's just, it's a new vibe. And, you know, if you're going to be around the vibe and you're halfway in, halfway out, kind of in your emotions and your feelings, it's best that we, you know, part ways. We had a show last week when we talked about the pettiest breakups. I mean, you know, some might feel Mike Elson broke up with Notre Dame petty. It was petty how he did it. Some people feel like... Some people feel like once you once you committed after sitting down, you already went and sat with Brian Kelly. So once you come back and you commit, you know what I'm saying, and nothing was promised to you, now you want to get in your feelings. But how do you how do you break up the right? I feel like college football, especially as a coach, you're just naturally petty because there's no way to like leave a school. <laughs> how do you leave a school or be interested in it or try to elevate your position in college football without appearing slimy. <laughs> um, I don't think anybody saying Mike Elson appears slimy. Not slimy, but appears. Brian, like Brian Kelly was slimy. <laughs> Brian Kelly was slimy. And it has nothing to do with what happened the day he finally left. It was everything that led up to that. And how he did a poor job of truly coaching this season, when you look at the narrative he tried to put out, the money he was trying to get on the back end, and what he was saying along with his assistants about the program and the players. Like, that's slime. Mm. Everything that went into that led up to him leaving was, man, corny and slime. Mm. Mike Elson, I think, was up front. Like, man, let me go down here, see if I can better myself with this LSU situation. Met with BK, ultimately decided to come back, commit to Notre Dame. When you commit to Notre Dame, look, you're getting an opportunity in the Fiesta Bowl to show your wares. Show what you could look like as a DC. It's not, this is not something that is promised to you. You know that. So you got to keep your emotions out of it, bro. You got to keep your emotions out of it. You already know what it is. That's like, you know, you meet a girl, she tells you, like, man, we can kick it. You know, I'm just coming out of a relationship. I'm really not looking for anything, you know. 
I still kind of have feelings for my ex. But yeah, we can kick it, get to know each other. And you trying to force the hand, like, man, what's up? Well, what well, what is this? Well, I mean, are we are we exclusive? Like, bro, relax. 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 Just just be thankful for the benefits <laughs> that you're getting right now. You know, and if you real player player, you can be off doing your own thing on the side. That's right. While she's right. working out and going through her emotions. While she's figuring it out, you can be on the on the nice little coast. You ain't gotta push nothing, pressure nothing. But it just man. as Gunner would say, that's not P. That's not P. That's not P. That is not P. No. And when you look at Brian Kelly, he's like, yo, that's not P. He's definitely not P at all. No. I don't know if I would apply that to Mike Elston. I really, ultimately, I really have no beef for Mike Elston. No, nah, it's just like, you at know, all. it's like Lance Taylor. Thank you, man. You're moving on. Thank you. Man, that's huge. That's huge. Good Get job. OT job. That's, man, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean, it's like you, we wasn't going to do it at this time. You know, we're not trying to stop your bag. Yeah. You know, he was a great, he's a great coach. He's a great coach. And maybe he was just one of those guys that just wasn't meant to be a coordinator. You know? And that's, and, and that's you know. And you saw that yesterday, like, yo, Shanahan is, yo, the way he sets things up, the way he sets you up in the third quarter with plays in the first quarter, the call he made on third and eleven. With the reverse, with a minute, with a minute left, they've been running power the entire game, gassing yeah. them up the middle, and to hit Debo on the reverse and almost get that first down to end the game. That's that's worth his weight and gold. He has a feel for calling plays, and everybody doesn't have that. No, no, no. He reminds me a lot of myself on Madden, just the way he just set it up and to run the football for a, a first down almost. Right. I mean, you talk about scheming up. That's how you scheme stuff up. When you get the combination of talented players with a scheme like that, that's what you get. You get stuff like that. So do you think um, – let me take a little uh, exit off of Notre Dame right quick. Josh Allen played almost one of the most perfect playoff games I've ever seen, right? <sighs> I mean, I guess. Yeah, boy, you you are <laughs> you, you are on a petty train, dude. When it comes to Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, you the hate is real. It's not hate. I thought he played great. Real. Evidently, he played great. But what are you implying? Are you saying they're going to win a Super Bowl? See, there you go, trying to put words. <laughs> all I said was he played a perfect game on Saturday night. That's all I said. Yeah, believe me. That's all. You ready? Go ahead. You ready? Grab the briefcase and start publishing. I was just trying to see where you were taking it. Uh, yeah, I agree. He played all right. I was very direct. What do you mean? Where was I taking it? I was pretty direct with what yeah, I did. Yeah, thought it was implying that it's like, oh, because he played so great that this is this is going to continue in the playoffs. Now, if I was going to say that, I would have <laughs> said that. But then on the flip side, I would like to point out that there's another dude that's a dude in the Midwest that oh. threw five touchdowns in 11 game, minutes of game time. 
That's crazy. Yeah, well, you know. Five touchdowns in 11 minutes and 34 seconds of game time. Well, when you're uh, that one team, when you're from that one place, and you're doing that one thing, when you talk about really good, that's that's what we need to be talking about. This Josh Allen thing, that's it comes and goes. It's like a comet. It like comes by and it passes over. It doesn't come by for a long time. If anything, we know where the ascension of that Cincinnati team is going. That's a Super Bowl team. This team in Buffalo, come on. They beat their division rivals like Whoop-de-doo. Whoop-de-doo. That's what I, that's what I got to say about the Bills. Whoop-de-doo. I want to see it next week. Our boy Gavin Wright, we appreciate you. In all fairness, assistance getting good jobs makes us better and more attractive. Turnover is a natural part of a good program. Facts, because Nick Saban in Alabama and Kirby Smart, Clemson, they all go through it. Where you think coaches? Where do you think coaches get hired from? Losing teams? Nah. Uh, wait a minute. I mean, you can find some good coaches. <laughs> teams, Real talk, you really can. Is Matt Nagy gonna get hired again? Majority do come from winning programs, though. Is Matt Nagy going to get hired again? Heck, yeah. He can walk right, can walk right back into Kansas City and get <laughs> uh, tomorrow. Are you crazy? Yeah, absolutely he's going to get hired. Are you, saying, are you asking, is he going to be a head coach again? Yes. The way the NFL is, yes, he'll get another look. Okay, okay. Probably a year or two down the line. Absolutely. They do nothing. But all they do is recycle. That's terrible, though. It is. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> I agree. I got Demetrius Rex giving us some information for uh, for the Culture Friday. Eminem dropping MMLP3 on Friday featuring Drake, Kendrick, and Drake. Crazy. Not interested. Yeah, yeah. Keep it. Yeah, I'm not an Eminem <laughs> dude. I'm sorry, man. I'm, you know, I think I like the show. The soundtrack to the movie was, was dope. I mean, yo. His features are usually amazing, going all the way back to like Renegade, you know, with whole, but just a whole project. I had to tap out, you know, because I just certain certain content. I just I can't do it, man. Mm. I can't do it. Corny. I can't do it. You know, I'll, I mean, I'll probably give it a listen. You you probably wouldn't give it a replay, but you give it a listen. No, the replay is based upon how it sounds. Okay. I'll keep it. I'll be honest. Like if yeah, I like it, I'll give it a replay. I don't know a month out if it's something I'll be saying, man. Let me listen to this. Yeah. Nah, I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. <laughs> Brian McIntyre, I appreciate you, man. Everybody's giving me love. You know, I color coordinated this morning, my brother. Just feeling fresh, feeling with good. That too. Yeah, with the socks hat. Got to go get me. I'm going to get me a nice little cut today too. Okay. Oh, yeah, you're not playing around. Yeah, you know, I like going in on Mondays when it's quiet. I don't do the barbershop when, the, you know, all the hustle and bustle on the weekend. And, I, you know, I like people that can give me an appointment and like, keep it. Mm, I don't want to walk in, time. supposed to be in the chair at 10, and I don't and get in the chair at like It's like an extra 30 minutes it take you talking. And, right, uh, right. And sometimes the barbershop talk 
can hold you in there and you know make you feel all right while you're waiting and then sometimes it's like no 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 man i want to walk in hop right in the chair you can talk but i just want to get in and out you know if i have a 10 o'clock appointment i want that dude texting me at 9 58 if i'm not in there like yo where you at straight up straight you know up. what i'm saying i'm all and about service you when can I was tell younger, you something like that when they yeah, got when, the, uh, when i was younger know. i was about the barbershop vibe like it really didn't care but now you know my time is a little bit more valuable to me so it's like look brother i gotta go <laughs> but you can tell the ones that are, are like that are the ones that gotta you gotta pay to get the appointment book yeah and so they keep their time on, on deck so uh diablo rivera checking in southwest side of chicago curie Man, that was a tough game. Tough loss to Kenwood this week, though. Shout oh, out to Rep and Curry. But tough loss for Kenwood. I mean, tough loss losing to Kenwood by a couple of points. <laughs> Michael Jenkins said you can keep that dictionary rap. Seriously, I'm not impressed by that, man. That's not flow to me. <laughs> I'm glad somebody said that, Michael Jenkins. Thank goodness. Yo, I so I don't know if you guys saw this, but on Twitter yesterday, uh, first of all, Jay-Z doesn't tweet a lot. He definitely doesn't do uh, social media a lot, but someone tweeted out that volume one, the streets is watching is like highly underrated and undervalued. And uh, Hove retweeted it. And it started like a conversation all day about volume one hmm. on social media. What's the one album? Let me know, LL Nation. What's the one album that you think is like totally undervalued and underrated that you still rock to this day? Now, it has to be at least, let's give a rule. Yeah, it was. Thanks, P-Dub. It was Quest Love that said it. It was Quest Love that said it. What, um, it has to be at least five years old. It has to be at least five years old. I almost went to 10 years old, but it has to be at least five years old but what do you feel like it sounds sonic man just everything it still holds up today even more than it did when it first came out let us know i want to see what you guys have in the chat the album no matter what genre that still holds up still to this day that's at least five years old you feel like it's undervalued people really don't appreciate its greatness let us know oh, man underrated I have one, I have one from back in the day that people might totally disagree with, but I still listen to this album for the songs, the content, and the comic relief, which is funny. Okay. <laughs> and is it, that album is Mace Harlem World. Man, this is one uh, of the, this is the day of the skits, like in the middle. Oh, the skit, yeah, the skits is in popping. the middle of the death row bad boy <laughs> and the skits they were coming up with, bro. Hilarious. It's like, a, it's like the first time you can listen to a movie. Man, <laughs> 24 hours to live with DMX, the locks. Yeah. yeah. Still a banger. Great man, really good music. It was a pop, it was, I mean, it was a hip-hop album, but I mean it's puff. It was real it's shiny too. It was real shiny suit. Holds up. I like it. Yes. I agree. 
Juan Lozada. Red man dares the dark side. Yes, I agree. Oh, they pulling up all the, the classes. They claim investments. Yes. <laughs> yep, Purdue. 10 is amazing. Might do it. Arguably Pearl Jam's best out. Oh my goodness. Yeah, we getting it, we getting it popping. Let's get it popping. Uh EPMD out of business. You know what? For you today, I'm gonna For give you today. I'm gonna give I'm going out, enjoy some time with the missus. I'm gonna give EPMD out of business a listen on the commute. I'm a uh, Gangstar fan. I think Gangstar is underrated. You think so? See, I, I wasn't. That, I'm a primo fan, but yeah. I'm not necessarily a guru fan because I don't mm-hmm. think he's the lyricist that most people try to portray him as. Really? You think he's he had a dope voice? Yeah, I like the Jazzmatazz stuff, guru. Yeah, more yeah. than the Gangstar stuff. That's just okay. my opinion. Okay, okay, that's 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 quality. That's that was quality. more of his vibe. Right, that was uh Josh Miller, Ice Cube, lethal injection. I'm still that's the certificate for me. Mm. It's probably my favorite Cube album, but lethal injection. Hey, bro, you can stop all that. You 1920. That shiny <laughs> suit was 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 killing, was rocking, <laughs> especially with the ladies. Y'all can stop that. Y'all can stop. Everybody try to act real hard. No shiny suit. Man, stop. Yeah. Stop. The shiny suits where it was at. They made music for the ladies, bro. <laughs> That's all right. You want to get on that dance floor? Puff has you on that dance floor. Yeah. Hell yeah, he did. <laughs> I mean, all the moves. Uh, Weezing the Juice says, Skits are sorely missing today. Would you, would you want skits in this era? Like, with like certain beefs and like I feel like they might get out of hand in this era, man. Yeah, people too disrespectful with the music nowadays. They they yeah. don't even it wouldn't even be needed for a skit. They just tell you in the song something crazy. So see, look, the ops in the building, they still loving us. I got a wet blanket. I welcome everybody. <laughs> I got a wet blanket said from Elvis in Memphis. I've never heard it. But I take your word from it. I take your word for it. Wet blanket's with us, man. He really he gonna bring them over. Wet blanket, we're gonna make you a Notre Dame fan sort of later, bro. <laughs> we, we love and appreciate you, man. Thanks for tapping in the way man, you do. So he said he can't stay away. <laughs> Kai S, anything slick, Rick, Rakim, and NWA. Now I can say I don't think they're underrated though. For me, they were. I'll tell you who was underrated for slick me. Slick Rick was not underrated for me. NWA was underrated for me. Because at the time when they first came out, I really, you know, I haven't, I hadn't had any interaction, you know, with the law. So, yeah, you know, my father was a pastor, so it was like the content really I couldn't connect with. Then, you know, once I started driving later on in high school, went on to college, had a couple of things happen. Now it's like okay, I get it. So yeah, so for me, originally, where I you know how I viewed their content, their music, and how I've grown. Like now, I can put on uh, in for life <laughs> and go crazy. Like bro, man, that's the truth. 
That's definitely the truth. I think it that's one of those type of music albums or just groups in general that evolves over time because it can it's a timeless connect to what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, at the time, you know, I kind of felt similar. I understood where it was coming from, but I didn't I didn't see it as like, oh, I'm gonna just pop it on, like I'm getting in the shower. That's just what I'm right. going to. It was more like if I'm listening to it, you know, it's more like I'm with a group of people and we talking about something. Right. <laughs> it just come up like, yeah, turn it. Yeah, it's crazy. Remember, we were talking about the, you know, we would talk about the song. It wouldn't right. be listening to how I listen to it now, like just bumping it. Not harassing. This is a very good, I like this because I think it's the most slept on Outcast album. Really? Because they went different. And, you know, Miss Jackson is like the standout is. from the album. And I think it was kind of like a far departure from what you got on AT Aliens and Equimini. We definitely tried it. Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, I agree. It holds up well. It wasn't as beloved by fans of Outkast when it first came out. But I think it, man, I think it grew on a lot of people. P-Dub. It was written. It was written as a very yo. I can see where you're coming from with that. I can see where you're coming with from. The Ron Vickerstaff said, look, there is no way, in my opinion, there is no way Dark and Hell is Hot can be underrated. Yo, the two album run that dude put together. Yeah, it's still it it's still hot. It won't be another one like that. I think it gets maybe it should get more love from being done in the calendar year, but I but historically that, it's not under. Yeah, historically that gets a lot of respect. Jay Clamp, look, I grew up on that Tribe Called Quest. Man, Loente is not an underrated album. That's very appreciated. If you're starting off on hip hop, that's like one of the essential albums. Oh, absolutely. You have you're not, you're not you're not skipping and getting in a hip hop fan without getting into that album first. It is literally, and I do not man. <laughs> I don't care who comes at me. It is a top three most influential hip hop album mm. ever. Mm. I can put it in my top five for sure. I'm talking about the influence on what was to come. Musically and producers and MCs, top three most influential album of all time. <laughs> all time. It's not even debatable. Don't even talk to me about it. Uh, I remember going to Sam Goody and yeah. Evergreen Plaza to snatch it on lunchtime. <laughs> Dude, it changed everything. Now, I had this discussion. Do you remember the song? Um, classic example of a date rape. Mm. That song off that album is so funny because if they dropped it now, there's no way they would get tons of pushback. Yeah. But people don't understand, like, the concept behind the song was talking about how everything was back then. 
and what it's like dealing with kind of being a rock star, a superstar. And the positions it puts you in, the thin line between like illegal and just getting it in with groupies. Like that line is is razor thin, dude. Like ask athletes about it. Like that's, that's a razor thin line. And they talked about it and they were open and transparent about it. Probably wouldn't be as beloved as it was back then now because of how society is, but yeah, they definitely towed the line. Something that they probably couldn't get close to today, but it's not like they were telling a lie. <laughs> it was probably the truth. It just yeah. so happened that uh you know they got it on the album. Usually it wouldn't make the album, it'd make a 30 for 30 documentary or something crazy. Yeah. Um Ron Tuck, man, Cool G rap is one of the most underrated. MCs of all time. There's so many people that big cool G rap style, man. It, that's like a whole other podcast. Christopher Morgan, thank you for tapping in with the super chat, Dr. Dre, the Chronic 2001. Um, um, Halle Berry. <laughs> the Chronic. I think the Chronicle 2001 was underrated because the Chronicle original Chronicle was just so huge. It just was a another knock it out the park. Like sometimes there some work drowns out some of the other accomplishments and great work that they have. Yeah, that's true. I I, I can see that. I'm yeah. actually thinking. Uh, also, I think there's a lot of Rick Ross earlier albums that are underrated as a collective because I don't think support. I don't think the port is underrated. Really? No, Port of Miami is, dude, that's like, that's almost cult classic to hip hop, bro. <laughs> not the port. None of you really, really digging in yeah. to like hip hop. I don't think they give Rick Ross enough appreciation on some of the masters. Now, as an artist, as an artist, okay, I do. Think, as an artist. Yeah. As an artist, I do, I do think people underrate that Cat Ross. No, but that's when that's. No, when that Teflon Don for me, not Teflon, Teflon Don. Teflon Don, hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he Teflon got a couple Don albums you can play all the way through. In his catalog. Yeah, his catalog is definitely uh, worth a lot of money. Sure. That Port of Miami, though? No, that feel his heart to this day. <laughs> to this day. I like this. Thank you, P-Dub. Common Resurrection. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. And the importance of Can I Borrow a Dollar, his first album, mm. and what it opened up for guys like Kanye, Twister, and everybody else coming out of Chicago. It established that it established Chicago as a place where hip hop should be respected. Yeah. He, he kicked the door in and everybody else came behind. So for me, always. Well, as we get ready to you, you had a chance to talk to Dante more, and, and hopefully we can get him on the show. But you had an opportunity to talk to Dante more, and just from the the conversation you had, you know, you, did you get any vibes or try to gauge where he's at in his recruiting? Man, I think he's just a real humble kid that is in a good position where he's clear headed about more so what he wants. 
And I think he has a great support system with his dad uh, being involved, especially in his decision and and careful about the things that he um, gets into in regards to football. So I think from the makeup of how the kid sounds and and from what I see on the field, I really think he fits what we're looking for. You know, a lot of what we talk about being a screen popper, does he fit? The, what Notre Dame needs, I think he checks all the boxes for that. So if I had to guess, I would definitely think that his relationship with Tommy, uh, we didn't get too deep into it, but I know that that's been a, a at least a, a strong enough connection that I feel good that he's got us in at least his top three. And, uh, you know, when we get him on the podcast, hopefully asking a little bit deeper questions about more so like what we did with Carnell about what it is that he's looking for. And I think what he's looking for is going to align with what uh, the type of guy he is. And I think it's just a good fit for us. And hopefully we get him on the podcast. Yeah. Hopefully we get him on a podcast. And after you guys watched uh, what we have coming for you on Tuesday night, if you tapped in late, you missed it. Here it is once again. Talking to Carnell Tate, IMG Academy. Notre Dame's been on me from the uh, like start of my freshman year. I've been talking to him. So our connection is like great. So I, I feel like I can do it all. The trifecta. I'm just from the Midwest, so let's talk about, <laughs> talk talk about, about, Carnell, talk about, about this shot down streets. Oh, yeah. It feels different. I try to tell him all the time, you feel different when you come from the south side. Oh yeah, it's different. So yes, that exclusive interview with 2023 wide receiver prospect. Carnell Tate right here, the Lucky Lefty Podcast. That will be Tuesday night, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time only on the YouTube channel of the Lucky Lefty Podcast. It was a great interview. The kid gave us like 30 minutes. Yeah, no. He was, he was 30 minutes of great insight, great content. And it goes back to what you just talked about with Dante Moore. There is a silver lining and a connection between them both when it comes to their strongest relationship at Notre Dame. And, yo, if, if that be the case, we've talked about, you know, a certain person being under the microscope or being in the spotlight more than others would like to uh, say. He's putting in work if everything is lining up the way these two guys are talking about. So I have to tip my cap. Hey, Tommy, number one, one, uno, uno. We'll just get it. You guys get it. Let's get it signed, sealed, and delivered on that. Yeah, man. Man. We got it, man. Just be a closer. From what we're hearing, he's doing his thing. Yeah. He's, he's doing definitely his got thing. the important things, the important things. And I think the future is set up great if this is if this is the route they're taking. Yeah, and we got to develop who we got right now in the meantime. And I think that full court pressure on Tyler Buckner to get better this year is uh is at its premium because I think it'll affect the recruiting of even uh, the twenty twenty three class on how Tyler does. So, so let's try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and get through some more of these uh, suggestions for underrated albums, bro. Before we close out. Uh, we got Midnight Marauders from Michael Graves, Juan Lazada, Common Sense Old by the Pound, William Watts. 
Look. Hey, man. Look. This right here, you can only appreciate if you really got some uh, block rattlers. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, as a kid, when the cool dudes used to roll through the neighborhood and all you heard was the trunk. Yeah. You really couldn't yeah. hear the words. Yeah, that's that's what that you is. heard the trunk rattling. Yeah, like, boom. Our <laughs> face the fix is the perfect album if you got a trunk rattler, dude. Like, oh, it's oh, a nice truck with a nice system. Oh hell yeah, hell yeah. You know, Buster's extension level, dude. Buster's just—he's classic though. Yeah. yeah. Yo, Coleman Clark. Benny Siegel out of Philly, one of the great ones in the 90s. True. But Benny Siegel's the truth. Oh, my God. <laughs> the work that Benny Siegel and Kanye put in for the truth. Yeah. Look, man. If you, man, give it a listen. That's all, man. Just give it a listen. Demetrius Rex B by Common. Yep. Uh... Alicia Keys, New York State of Mind. I don't know. Is that five years old? I think. I think yeah, I think. it is now. Alicia Keys yeah. hasn't released nothing in at least five years. Yeah, uh, let's see. Mike Huff said the Marshall Mathers LP. I, I didn't give it enough of a listen. Yeah, I'm just not a, sad to say, not a big Eminem fan. Lilo, I see you, Galante. Yes, sir. That Sam Goody on 95th and Western. You know it. You know <laughs> it. You know it. Give him a shout out. Shout out to EP and Forest City. No doubt. Uh, let's see. Jeff Fluke. Yes, I'll give you that one. BC, BC Boys? License to Ill. Yes. The BC Boys? It holds up. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They. Oh, yeah, yeah, they went more <laughs> rock as they went along, but uh, that initial release, absolutely. Uh, let's see, yeah, De La, De La Soul is dead. Uh, super chat, thanks, Mike Huff. The National Marshall Mathers LP did it for me. All right, uh, let's see. See a lot of people showing love and G rap. Oh, yes, black sheep or wolf and sheep's clothes. Good call. I think MF Doom's albums are underrated too. I agree. I like MF Doom. And I really didn't get into listening to him uh extensively until after he passed away. Really? Wow, yeah, 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 unfortunately. Yeah, all his stuff. I mean, we talking. I see Gavin. I see. Look, we're not talking about artists in particular. We're talking about albums. Big L. We know everybody. Knows everybody knows Big L. Yeah, everybody knows Big L. So I'm not bypassing that. You know, he just didn't put out a full project. Yeah, you know, we're trying he to get the album, but it would have been nice. Matt 2011 GT 1999 Eternal was nostalgic. 
I can see that. Yeah, I can see it. I can see that. I, I'm due. I was, I'll, yeah. My younger brother was more of a bone fan. Like, that was dude. He put, oh, my God. He made me dislike them how because of how much he played them in the crib. Oh, okay. So he it was, was like that. Like, our rooms are right next to each other. And it's like, this dude is playing bone again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read yeah. Uh, let's see. Royal Fingers into the stage. Buckshot, Black Moon, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Savage Scion Fitness, thank you. The Slimy Shady LP by Eminem. Uh, I guess they're going to love his release on Friday. Yeah. When we talk about it. Now, you know I'm going to listen to it before the Culture Friday and let you know what I think, right? So I want all you Eminem fans to be prepared because I'm going to give real, for a real evaluation. I'm going to give an honest assessment. Royal Fingers, yes. Sean Price, Sean, dude. Sean Price was a beast, bro. Yeah. Uh, Sean Price, Sean Price for me is like stole God cooks right now. Mm. Like people really didn't know, and you really had. Give his uh, music. Stole God Cooks is yes. This one, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> bringing out all the classics. Huh? That's not even a question. <laughs> you know something I listened to last week. My wife thought I was crazy. What? I was bumping that AMG boy. Really? Yeah. That be really? better have my money. Yeah. It still bangs. Still bangs. Wow, that's that's like a cookout song for me. And you know, you out. It's out there, especially if you're out there by you. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> <laughs> especially if you're on the West Coast. A lot of people don't know about the AMG. That was a pretty sound pro. I was stopped short of calling it a classic, but Bone Thugs Eternal's nostalgic as is E40. Yeah, E40 over here for sure. Yeah, 40's just classic. Oh, yes, sir. Any dude, Ghost, <laughs> man, let me tell you, Ghost and his content is so, it's like put, man, it's like his albums get put up in a wine cellar. <laughs> and the more you let them sit. They just age with time. They get so much better. Yo. It's a lot of stuff off Suave House that's underrated. I agree with that. Because the biggest artist got a lot of the credit. I'm going to have to Clamp it, Jay Clamp it, I'm going to have to give this a try. Yeah, I got to oh. give Zed, uh, Led Zeppelin a try. I only know a couple songs. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to check it out. Never really got into it. Yeah, the Black else. Panther soundtrack was actually really good. The one that Kendrick produced. Is it five? It's five know. years now. Yeah, it was twenty seventeen. I, I actually like the direction they're going with the production of Black Panther two and the storyline from what I'm being from what's being put out there. Uh, you got to see it though because it's going to be hard to visually get better than what they did with the last. One. I'm just talking about the storyline because I just worried about how they were going to transition from, you know, our yeah. boy. Chad, yeah, I mean, from Chad 
to the next, but from what I'm hearing, and the they way they're going to be using, the way they're going to be using all of the tribes to really make the transition. Yeah, I, like, so. I was worried about it. This is probably your favorite one, dog. The belly soundtrack says you like dropping dimes. Listen. <laughs> <laughs> I could have swore they already said it, but about Mary J. Blige, I think she's overrated, and so I don't think she can sing, but that's just... You got two classic albums, dog. It's tough to put out classic albums, your first two joints. That's that's tough. It's I don't tough, care. I, mean, I don't yeah. care. You can't sing if you can't rap. If you can put out two classics with your first two projects, you you don't have the, the rest of your career is written in stone. Not Mary J. Blige, though. Okay. I do. So you saying her first two albums aren't classic? I think she got some good songs. I just, I just don't. I think she just so screamed good. too much for me. I think so she screamed good. too much. I'm so sorry. Good. I think she screamed too much. You're so disrespectful, man. <laughs> You're so disrespectful, man. You're so disrespectful, man. It's just an opinion. You're so disrespectful, man. Oh, you don't God. have to particularly like an artist to to not. It's a bunch of music out here that I don't particularly like. But I nod my head and say, you know what? He's killing it. I Drake's yeah, the, per Drake the perfect example for me. Who? I'm not a huge Drake fan. But I, I will not, I will nod my head and say, you know what? That's a banger, Drake. What's wrong with Drake then? He only he gets all of his love and only has one classic album. Wait a minute. You said one. He has one. He has one critically acclaimed classic album. Name the other one. Which one are you going to say? I, I said most critics would say "Take Care" is his classic album. That's his classic. That's a, yeah, that's a classic Undoubtedly. album. Undoubtedly, that's his classic. But I don't understand what other ones you don't think are classic though. He's no, I said, what do you mean? You act like this dude got like four or five classics. You need to he slow do. your roll. He do. All right. Lucky Lefty Podcast, <laughs> man. Lucky Love getting back to what you guys are talking about, man. Uh AZ do or die. Yes. You don't Iron Man. Yeah, man. I'm not I'm not doing that with you today. <laughs> I'm not doing that, you know. If you're trying to lay Pearl okay. Jam number 10. You trying to lay four classic at this man's feet? Stop. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it later. No, I don't need to talk about it. <laughs> I don't need to talk about it. Absolutely, far side is definitely oh underrated. <laughs> yes, Royal Fingers. Thank you, Malik. Bugging and disrespecting. <laughs> MJB first two were classic. Absolutely. Oh I don't care if she can't sing a lick. Oh my goodness! This Here you crazy. go. Drake's garbage. Here you go, Drake's garbage. bro. The people Drake trash is F. KPS is only classic. Thank you. I'm just no, saying, bro. Goodness. Look, the people, hey, the people are speaking. <laughs> LL Nation is letting the people know. Like Drake is trash. Yeah, see. Stand up, LL Nation. Speak the truth. That's why I love you. Because you speak the truth. This man is laying four classics, yeah. four five classics. Man, come on, man. Oh, my goodness. Come on, man. Are you kidding me? 
He said does four or five. I would have let you slide with two. He I has let you slide with two. He undoubtedly has four for sure. You can argue a fifth, but he has four locked has in. Four. Four. He has four locked in. Look, we can talk about this later. Name, name please name the four. I want to write name the four because we're gonna have a podcast on this. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Name the four. four. Take care. Go ahead. I know you're not the same. I know you're the same. I know you're not including this the the mixtape before take take care. I know you're not including that. That's a classic though. It, It may not be, you know. But All nothing right. was the same. Nothing was the same. Was undoubtedly a classic. Okay, Maybe so take care. Take care. Why are we? Why are we disrespecting Drake like he's not the best? Like, person, the best what? Not the best what? Artist out right now. Man, Drake is the best songwriter of our generation. I agree. Everyone. I agree. Wait, wait, wait. Now, you see how I just did that? I want to change respect. <laughs> You see how I just did that? I want the same respect for Mary J. Blige. The same respect. I want the same respect for Mary J. Blige. The way Mary I just Blige, admitted, hold minute, on, hold on. Wait a minute. The way I just admitted that Drake is the greatest songwriter of our generation. I said you're right. I'll give you that. I want you to stop hating and give the same respect for Mary J. Blige for having two classics out the box. Mary J. Blige has no talent, and P. Diddy backs me up on that. That is, you can't give the credit to Mary J. Blige for those two albums because that's not even her talent. That's a, that's a, that's a Millie Vanilli. They, 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 they constructed that album for her. Thank you, Juan Lozada. We talk about we ain't talking about Kendrick. You, we Reverend. gotta talk about Kendrick because I love Kendrick. I know Kendrick got every one of Kendrick's albums. Now Charlie White's last belt loop said Mark Barber's room was good. Yeah, the whole album was good. Good. You can get that. It wasn't classic. It was good. It's a lot of albums that are really good that's not classic. <laughs> Stop. Stop. Oh my goodness. You just tried to compare. Mary J. Blige to Drake. That's not her first, two, al- her first two albums are better than his first two. Okay, yeah, this is getting towards the end. Of the Mary J. Blige's first two albums don't hold up better today than Drake's first two. Man, you're out of your mind. See, see, we gotta have a we gotta have a whole podcast just about man, this, dude, just Drake, about this, just Drake, about this. Drake puts ketchup on his hot dogs, man. <laughs> Respect that dude. Respect that dude. Oh my goodness, this is crazy. Come on, man. You you bugging. You bugging. The fact that you put Mary J. Blige in the same city and Mary J. Blige has zero talent. Like, come on. Zero talent, but yes, two cut, yeah, two cut. And you so funny. You put daughter. The people, hey, the people are speaking. I just want them to get the opportunity to speak to you about the subject. (laughs) He's speaking. He talking about speaking. Hey, my goodness, whatever. Kaya said we're gonna call Drake classic. We might as well throw in Wham. Wham is before your time. You probably don't even. You probably not even. I don't know Wham, but I know he's not even up on Wham, dude. Oh man, 
William Watts. And, I can't, hey man, you all see what I deal with all the time. music, that's what we talk about. You man. see what I deal with all the time with my bro. This uh, type of foolishness all the time. This type of foolishness. Yeah, I mean, the disrespect for Drake is crazy. I just, uh. Is it? It is. To say he has one classic, how are you even in the game that long with one album? What do you mean? One classic. How are you in the game for 10 plus years holding it down as the best in the generation with one classic album? How does that even add up? So something got to be wrong in the equation. You can't have one classic album and that be your first album and then you survive in the game for 10 plus years being one of the top three. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand what you don't understand. <laughs> you can't be the coldest of your generation with one classic album when you've been in the game for more than 10 years. Are you serious? I'm trying to figure out what you don't understand. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what you don't understand. Yeah, we got to move on, man. Let's just move on, man. Lucky Lefty Podcast, man. Y'all pray for your boy. <laughs> It'll be a poll for us on Twitter, man. Pray for your boy. Yep. Let's get it. Very cold. It's time to get petty. Oh, we did a good job executing. Are you upset with something? And fire up the Petticoat Junction train. I just don't like you. You don't? No. What is today's petty historic Petty Junction? Petty Junction every day. You know every what day. time it is. Hey, I gotta put LL Nation on the Petty Train, bro. <laughs> these comments are bad. Oh wow! It said, "Bro, they said you gotta have COVID right now because you ain't got no taste." <laughs> <laughs> See, we might just do a music podcast next. I gotta break down why. Dude, what y'all missing when I'm talking about this music game, man? It's like. Oh my god! I just confused on some things with the Grizzly Drake. Oh my god! I can't believe you said this dude had you. Gonna, you on the petty train, dude? For your <laughs> for your treatment of Mary J. Blige this morning, bro. Oh, Mary J. Blige, I'm staying on that. No time. You are on the petty train, my I brother. I do like her in power, though. Not. She's terrible as an actress. I okay, but that's better than her singing. So. So you like her as Monet, but you don't like her having two classics. See, you, you, you keep talking about two moments in time, but I'm talking about just the talent in general. I think she has more talent acting than she can even act than she does screaming on the mic. P. Diddy even said it himself that she doesn't have talent. What's the argument? I don't know. 
Man, you're gonna make people hit the dislike button, bro. <laughs> with, with this with this MJP stuff today, bro. <laughs> Yo, Chris brought that Joey B A dude. Not the uh not the album with the uh he had the album with the purple and gold on the front, but it was another one. Get the title like America something. Oh, thoroughly, yeah, thoroughly enjoyed that Joey Badass album. Yeah, it came at the, it came out at the same time as like the I think it was either the Kendrick or a J Cole album. It came yeah, out it, so it got it wasn't really given the credit Talk it should have been. Yeah, but it was definitely fire. I listened to that as well. As much as I like him as an MC, Joey Badass might be a better actor. Oh yeah, for sure. Because for sure. the role, for the sure. role he plays in power, it was smooth. Oh yeah, oh, he's yeah, killing yeah. that. It felt, it felt real for him, for sure. That dude, hey man, I know this is sidetracked for a second, yo. This latest episode of Power, man. <laughs> Fifty needs to get some realistic writers in the field. <laughs> yo, because to me, Tariq is, is is a corny dude. And this dude just be smashing, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, got Diana just. I'll tell you, know, when, they, when they walk through the door, she on. didn't see Lauren. But the Diana, Diana thing is real though. You think so? Yeah, I think, yeah, Effie, I talk, I think Effie is more real. For I talked. I talked to my sister, and my sister was like, Diana was ready as soon as she, as soon as he chose her to come in the room. For sure. He was like, oh, she was ready. She was ready. He didn't have you to see say how nothing she else. You see how she looked back when she's, you, know, you got to go. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'll give it to her. She played in G, too, when she first walked off. Like, oh, my fault. Yeah, no, no, no. We come over just slide. No, right. she, had, she knew right. she was doing it. Right. Lauren might have to, Lauren might have to go. She don't bad. have to, because she, she, she too conflicted and too easily influenced. Yeah, she played herself, dude. But the smoothest move of the day, of the episode, was that man Councilman Tate <laughs> when he went and smoothed everything over with Carrie Milgram in the office when she was yeah. crying? Oh yeah. When he yeah. walked out, she immediately was looking like, yeah, he can get it. He can get it. Yeah, he can he get didn't, it. He didn't. He didn't set it up real nice. He, he, my, he set it up smooth. I was like, this cat Tate. Hey, he looking to win. He like, I don't care about the money. He wants the power. That's all he wants. <laughs> But um, get back to the petty train, yo. I'm gonna have to throw Dak Prescott on the petty train. <laughs> the way he played, it just wasn't good enough. Not getting down soon enough. Not knowing to hand the ball to the referee instead of to the center. Gotta throw him on a petty train. And I think it's real petty that you find out about the injuries that players are dealing with the moment they lose. Like now, oh, yeah, now y'all wanna talk about Zeke's knee? Like, yeah. dude, we could tell Zeke wasn't, wasn't the problem the week before. Right. Like, come on, man. That That's mad petty to me. That's petty to me as well. You got anybody on the petty train besides yourself? 
<laughs> it's petty. It's petty that we not we not looking at. I'm glad our girl DBZ, our girl DBZ tapped in. She said I'm late, but what's up, DBZ? DBZ, I want you to know that your boy Malik has spent the last 15 minutes of the show making disparaging remarks about Mary J. Blige. He called her first two albums trash. He said they weren't classics and said that Drake's first two albums were better than her first two albums. Yeah, of course. Said she is not talented. Said she's a better actress than a singer. Dude, your boy is going off the rails today. I don't know what's wrong with him. Thank you for tapping in as always. (laughs) One of our day ones, our girl DB. (laughs) You said a little tough, but you know, essentially that's what it is. See? DBs, he said, you tripping, bro. You tripping. <laughs> Dude, you, you're tripping. And we need, we are definitely going to do a full podcast. We'll get it in. Mary J versus Drake. I'll bring, a I'll full bring the podcast. Evidence. I'll bring the whole, I'll bring all of what you need. I got you. Dude, DBs, I want, man, the question of the day was an album, an mm-hmm. album. Yeah, I had to. I had to go big head. Huh. I had to go belly on him. Yeah, I had, I had to go to belly on him. <laughs> question of the day was underrated album that's just as good or better today than it was when it first came out. It has to be at least five years old. See? Yeah, she just threw up Mary J. What's the 411? Share my world. Oh my God. Share my world is mad underrated. Mad on the nothing. Red. I look. Y'all Uh-oh. know she got. Y'all Let know she don't. Speak. Let the people speak. Y'all know Mary Blige cannot sing, and y'all know she don't got no talent. That's all. That's all. That's all. But the thing is, too, is that the disrespect to Drake gotta stop. This one classic album's got to stop. Man, Royal Fingers has a question for you, dog. <laughs> Who hurt you, dog? Who hurt you? Listen, no Mary J. Blige song. Who hurt you? She's not talented. That's what hurts me. That y'all think that she's not even a top three artist or nothing, a woman singer, female, nothing for y'all. What y'all saying? Her first two albums were classic, and Drake only has one classic album. It's just, it's just too much. Hey, it's that's been. Much. Hey, that's been. I said, according to the critics, he has one, and then LL Nation back backed it up with their comments. Now you're the only one that's trying to throw the number four at his feet. The only. <laughs> one. No, I'm not trying to. I'm not the only one. I'm not the only yeah, one. Yeah, you, you're definitely the only one today. In this form on this podcast, you done, you only highlighted the ones that supported the Mary J. Blige. Okay, let me go back because I didn't see any that supported your point. I didn't see any that supported your point. That's okay. I'm gonna just bring my fans and my evidence next time. Kai S said neither one of them. Yeah, I don't worry about Drake can't sing or not. It's Mary but J. You brought it up. You brought no, his singing just, ability up. No, I'm saying her ability isn't that good. Drake Drake's not known for singing. Drake's known for songwriting. He's saying LL Petty for being stuck in one genre. No, uh, we asked. We said all genres, did we not? 
Shit all the time. Okay, so we're not stuck. We talked about Pearl Jam. We said we were going to get into Led Zeppelin. Led Zeppelin some more, you know. So me personally, I'm a Rolling Stones dude. So these days you would be incorrect. <laughs> you would be incorrect. Yeah, you'd be incorrect. You know, I'm a heavy jazz dude. I could throw out some names that I'm pretty sure you would have no clue who they were. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you're saying LL Nation is stuck, that's still incorrect because we had like rock, pop, all mm-hmm. types of genres talked about. The Beatles, the Beastie Boys. Facts. 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 Undeniable facts being pointed out by LL Nation. The Nation. Undeniable facts. He did get bodied. He did get bodied by Pusha T. Get body out. Here we go. He We're got bodied. You know what? Weezy the Weezy the Juice, you're absolutely correct. Because I'm a huge Eric Clapton fan. I got that Beatles thing. It's like for my mom. My mom loved those dudes, man. Yeah. She loved the Beatles. I mean, come on, man. Smokey Robinson. I see Antoine Porchardot. You're probably right. My roommate in college, my boy, shout out to my boy Thomas Bidding. We were uh we played basketball together at Morgan Park. He was a huge ACDC fan. Huge. I just couldn't. There was a couple of songs I rocked with. Pink Floyd, after duly uh Thank you for the super chat, Lee Morgan, JJ Johnson, Bird, Clifford Brown. Man, he has that many ghost writers, bro. Look, the industry's big. When you're in there for so long, you work with a lot of people. You know, you work with a lot of people when you're in there for so long. So where you where you are. Mm, here I stand is better than confessions. That's because confession still holds up to this day. As as an as as an album. I'm gonna, have, I'm gonna have to give here I stand another listen. It might be on my list today on my commute. He somebody says Drake's best song he made is with Soldier. <laughs> haters, haters. Will Chesnick said my favorite Pink Floyd album is Animals. Animals, really? All right. See, I got to dive into that a little bit more, too. Let's see this. John Clement says, facts, MJB had 12 albums and seven of eight went multi-platinum. I'm just pointing out numbers and facts, dude. Zap and Rogers definitely are mad underrated. Mad underrated. That would, be another, that would be another genre that we just brought up. Not true. Uh, let's see. Plus, he's not underrated to me because I was on him early. Oh, he was on him early? Yeah, I was on him early. I got I got more on him once, you know, he started doing more mainstream features and stuff. Okay. Yeah, I was on him early. When he was writing for people, yeah, I was on him early. You know what? Drake is, I agree with that. And that's not being shady. Drake is like McDonald's. 
Drake is like McDonald's, just huge. He's the biggest artist. You know what I'm saying? He's put in the work to get that respect. The biggest artist with one classic album. Come on. But I can go find plenty hole. Man, I can go find a ton, tons of holes in the walls with better product, better food. Yeah, Malibu was one of the best albums of 16. That's a fact. Bro, they letting you have it, man. They let you have it. But to all you Eminem fans for the Culture Friday, I'm gonna let you know what I think about that album. Oh yeah, we definitely gonna have that that discussion. We definitely gonna have that discussion. We appreciate everybody for tapping in. Once again, don't forget Tuesday night, our exclusive conversation with Arnell Tate, 2023 wide receiver recruit, is right here on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central. Check it out. Absolutely. Subscribe, share, like, subscribe, share. Hit that like button. Let everybody hey, update y'all Drake knowledge on the next so we can get and really talk about this, man. Because this is the comments are ridiculous. What do you mean? You talking about the comments about Drake? Or are you talking about the comments overall? The comments about Drake and in regards to Mary J. Blige, which I will be bringing evidence, facts, and we will be reviewing this the next time. Well, we can't play their music on the, the podcast. No, we'll just talk about numbers. I mean, we had a lot of numbers in the chat. We can talk numbers. We can talk. What else you want to talk? Songs. We can do opinions. We can do whatever you want. Okay. And I'll, I'm going to go get uh, reviews <laughs> about each album, especially the first two albums, because that was the entire debate. What the critics have said about Drake is that See, he has one problem. You, you guys are a bunch of Rotten Tomato trust trusting type of people those are just opinions that's all it's just an opinion it don't make it a fact we know the fact is that drake is not the the best in the decade having one classic that's just not a fact you know what nwts i would even i would even give if somebody said nwts was a classic i would actually listen to that because yeah, he got four so that's there you go here we go man Everybody have a great, great MLK day. For my guy Malik Zaire, you know what I'm saying? Sean Davis, we spent it different. I don't know what the hell he was spending today. <laughs> but y'all don't get caught up in that web. And we'll see you guys tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. right here. Once again, it's the Lucky Lefty Podcast. LL Nation, have a great day. Spend it different today. We appreciate you.